Super Talk Mississippi media production. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. And welcome in on this Tuesday, July the 30th, just couple more days away from football month at Sports Talk Mississippi. Michael Borky, Brian Scott Rippey on the other side of the glass from me and Brian Haydad with you. It is great to be here today. By the way, like I said, we're two days away from football month. We're also, for whatever it may be worth to you, two days away from the Hall of Fame game. If that's kind of your thing, if watching a bunch of guys that aren't going to make NFL rosters play organized football together... You can get that in just two days from right now. Sports Talk is brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank. And guys, you know, we're still technically in the summer. It's still technically July, but closer and closer and closer to football season. And I listened to a podcast today seriously breaking down the Hall of Fame game. So I don't know if it's because I am just like, begging for football information or what but yeah that was a good 30 minute waste of my time this afternoon you're like a starving man you know i think it was eddie murphy who made that joke that you know you have a starving man a, a cracker and he'll think that like was that a ritz cracker what was that that's the best cracker i ever had you know that's where we are this is this is the last few days before football we're all just on edge trying to get to it yeah, I'm the commissioner of my fantasy league, so I had to like look at draft dates earlier today. That got me kind of excited. There you go. Guess who's starting for the Broncos in the Hall of Fame game, by the way? Not Swag. Chad Kelly. Kevin Hogan. Do you know uh, anything about Kevin Hogan? Played at Stanford. Yes, so he beat out Drew Locke, at least early in training camp, to start the Hall of Fame game. I don't suspect Joe Flacco will be playing in this one, but yeah, uh, Drew Locke is technically the third stringer right now in Denver. That's what I learned when I was listening to a Hall of Fame game breakdown podcast today, but I guess it's what I do. <laughs> when is the Hall of Fame game? Is that Denver? Thursday. Thursday. Thursday okay. night on NBC. Yeah, they uh they released their uh their lineup for Thursday night on NBC games this year or at least the press release hyping it all up. This is the most playoff teams from the year prior they've ever had on Thursday night football ever. So there's that. Well, last year they kind of made a conservative, conservative. I can't talk today. Effort to make those Thursday night games better because the first couple of years they did them when Thursday night football returned, it was always really terrible games. And last year is a pretty solid slate for the most part. It's a good slate. The quality's still not any good though. Remember that Saints at Falcons game? That was the worst played football, professional football game I've watched in a long time. Bodies were flying everywhere. I mean, dudes were just getting. There was what, hey, Dad, you may remember, like 12 injuries that night, and it was just sloppy, and you could tell that they were gassed and in no way ready for football. That was the same night as the Egg Bowl, so I didn't even watch that game. It was Thanksgiving night, wasn't it? That's right. I watched a decent bit on my computer from the press box. (laughs) It's not not like the... Ricky was less engaged in that game than I was. Um, 
But I, the Thursday night thing is interesting because, yeah, it's probably not great for their safety, but it's almost like a second bye week because they get the entire weekend off to do whatever they want. Like, I, right. players like it from that standpoint. I, I did hear an interview from an NFL running back that said the Thursday night games uh, were awful for him because in a regular game week, uh, he's not even walking, really, by Wednesday. It takes him that long after playing a full Sunday. By Wednesday, he feels comfortable enough to like go to practice again. And then they suddenly turn around and play a game on Thursday. But running back is also, as we've talked about a lot lately, as everybody's talked about a lot lately, a position in which uh, there's not longevity. Uh, guys are lasting three, four years, even the good running backs, just because they get beat up so bad. Um, I, I was thinking about this earlier. Have you guys ever felt completely left out of something? Like intellectually. Like somebody in a crowded room or at the bar or something, somebody tells a joke, everybody laughs except for you. So we're not talking about like what the kids call FOMO here. Are not we? FOMO. It's something that you you didn't miss out on. You were there, but like you're the only one that doesn't like it or didn't think it was funny or didn't appreciate it. I'm sure I have. I mean, you know, I mean, you get that with like movies and music sometimes. Yeah. Bands you don't like or, or movies you, you're not a fan of that everybody else in the world seems to like. Having that with a movie. So I, as I was doing show prep today, uh, read a review on Quentin Tarantino's new movie, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which yeah. was loosely, very loosely, uh, based on the uh, Charles Manson murders of uh, Sharon Tate and. Anyway, that was hardly the focal point of the movie, but all of the reviews I've read are calling it brilliant and a masterpiece, and I didn't enjoy the movie at all. It was long, it dragged out, didn't really make a whole lot of sense. I'm the only one in America that did not enjoy that movie. I know a guy who, like, aggressively hates The Godfather, so, you know, it happens. I haven't seen this movie yet, so I can't make a, a, a comment on it. A friend of mine whose movie opinion I trust, who I know, I know is listening as well, uh, he loved it. So my guess is I will like it as well. See, I, I guess I'm on an island of one. I, I thought it was terrible. My, my wife didn't really like it either. It, it was well shot, and there were a couple of really good moments. And I mean, when you've got Leo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt and, um, oh gosh, what's her name? Uh, the blonde that played Sharon Tate. She's in everything lately. Margot Robbie? Margot Robbie. So the the cast was great, and it was so well shot, and the, and the soundtrack was awesome, but yet, I don't know. It just wasn't for me. And I'm having that FOMO right now. I'm sitting here talking about listening to Hall of Fame game preseason previews, and I enjoy that, but I can't get into a Tarantino movie. It's probably a me problem. If I had to guess, yeah. <laughs> That's usually uh, about That's how usually it works. The case with you. <laughs> <laughs> Most of my issues are me problems, yeah. uh, as it turns out. So uh, a lot coming uh, your way today. More storylines from NFL training camp, especially out of Dallas. Dallas is starting to get fascinating now because Ezekiel Elliott's holding out. We've talked about that a good bit lately. The Cowboys signed a running back yesterday. Not not a replacement, but signed a running back yesterday. And then Jerry Jones apparently is now reading analytics. He's caught up to the year 2019 and said yesterday that running backs don't win you championships. You don't need the the highest rusher in the league to go win you a Super Bowl. And all of this talk is now starting to seem like either A, 
bargaining chips in the media to inspire Ezekiel Elliott to take a deal that he doesn't, or that he's not asking for, less money than he's asking for. Or maybe the Cowboys actually now have come down to earth and realize you don't need an, a $20 million a year running back to be competitive in the NFL anymore. But do you when your quarterback's a bit limited in what he can do throwing the ball? Yeah, I mean, what they're saying in that what they're saying that that statement says is we believe Dak Prescott can be an elite NFL quarterback of the same caliber of of Brady, Goff, Breeze, Mahomes, who were you know the final four quarterbacks last year. So if they believe that, then they're right. But if they or if they're wrong and they're Dak can't make that kind of Dak is a good quarterback, but he's obviously a tear down from those guys. At least, if he can't make that jump, then you're setting yourself up for failure. And they also have Amari Cooper that also yep. needs to get paid here soon. But uh, that's something to keep an eye on. We'll talk about that a little later on in the show. Mike Thomas is reportedly really close to a deal with the Saints. This seemed like a very um, low-key holdout, one that wasn't going to last very long. And uh, the latest report shows just as much. And Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to be a starting quarterback in the NFL still reports out of Miami's training camp that he is going to be the starter, that he is number one right now. Even Josh Rosen in post-practice interviews has said, you know, he reads defenses faster than me. So still until about week five when he fizzles out like he does almost every year, Ryan Fitzpatrick is still going to be a starter in the NFL. He had that week one performance last year against the Saints that made you think he was going to be a Hall of Famer. Or was that Winston, I guess? No, it was Fitzpatrick. No, it was Fitzpatrick, yeah. yeah. He, he threw for like 440. It was yeah. the first three weeks, like, was it not, wasn't it? Like Fitz magic was happening, yeah. Then he started throwing interceptions. Which is right. really kind of his entire career, because he got that one big contract with Buffalo after they started like 5-1 and one or whatever, and it was just a train wreck after that. Yeah. Started wearing those... Uh, um, aviators and wearing like that the leather jacket to press conferences and stuff he was real cool and then started throwing the ball away and then they put Jameis back in and then he started throwing the ball away and then Tampa realized that they're uh, pretty bad at quarterback regardless of who they put in Uh, what Miami should do is put out a a video of Fitzpatrick throwing an interception and call it a hype (laughs) video if they ever have a like, if there's ever a lockout shortened season, Fitzpatrick's your guy. Like, if it's a two month season, <laughs> oh yeah, you're getting home field advantage. Or just sign him when your quarterback gets suspended for harassing an Uber driver, like uh, like uh, Tampa did. Tim and Tupelo says geriatric Jones finally woke up. That is, uh, I wonder if that is the case. Maybe it's posturing. Maybe it's not. Some reports say that they're going to offer him an extension that is not like big time number one highest-paid running back money, and if he doesn't take it, they're willing to move on. Another report says that it's all smokescreen, and Dallas is going to give him the money that he wants. Basically, nobody knows anything, but we'll break some of that down later in the show. A new segment called Stupid or Awesome. We will continue our uh, all-Mississippi selection team with defensive line next. What's the dumbest, most expensive thing you've ever purchased? And a whole lot more coming your way at Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank Studio. Ed in Brookhaven sends us a message, and you can too, on the ceasefire text line, 601-879-4395. Be a part of the show this afternoon. You can text the show, 601-879-4395. And Ed asks about Nick Fitzgerald. We loosely mentioned a Tampa Bay's quarterback situation, and Jameis is the starter there until further notice. They 
I mean, they just have too much invested in him until they can deal him or or something, but he's going to be the starter there basically by default. But Nick Fitzgerald is on the roster there, although, and maybe you've seen different, Haydad, I haven't seen much or read much about him uh, so far in fall camp, but I do know that they are at least exploring the idea of using him the way the Saints use Taysom Hill. Taysom yeah, Hill is on every special team. He lines up at running back. He lines up at wide receiver. He also does line up at quarterback, but he does basically everything. He's just too good of an athlete to not have on the field. Tampa, since the Saints play Tampa twice a year, they get to see that firsthand and are inspired and are trying to use Fitzgerald in the same way. Yeah, that's probably the plan for them. Of course, he is injured, and this was just tweeted out just a few minutes ago that you'll like this, Borky. Uh on the active NFL, uh, non-football injury list, he's out for a week, pulled a hammy playing beach volleyball. Oh, Nick. <laughs> come on, man. Yeah, come on now. Maybe smarter. Uh, I've always wondered. It, people talk about that kind of thing. Uh, like, if you remember the viral video that came out of Trevor Lawrence, uh, a guy setting a hard screen on Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. And... The the reaction was, one, why are you setting a hard screen on your quarterback? Two, why is Trevor Lawrence playing intramural basketball with a bunch of overweight frat stars? Why is he not just protecting his body? So there is a line, but where do you draw that line? Because in one hand, Nick Fitzgerald's got training camp. He shouldn't be playing beach volleyball, but on the other, he is a human being and he should be allowed to live his life how he wants to live. I mean, I... I I go do things, and I still work. I can balance both. Why can't he? I know it's a little bit different, but he is a human. Yeah, I mean, for me, beach volleyball wouldn't be one of those things where I'm just like, oh god, what's he doing? You know, riding a motorcycle, paragliding, you know, base jumping. Okay, don't do those things. You say we're going to play beach volleyball. Okay, you're a good athlete. You should be fine. I I can't get too upset about this. It just it's probably just a freak accident. I get it. Complete non sequitur here. I get a, a Twitter direct message from Scotty. It's a picture of three foot tall Pringles cans that they are starting to sell in Italy. Ooh. No How thanks. many bites, Rippy? <laughs> no thanks. <laughs> could you eat one? Maybe not like in four bites or whatever, but do you think that you could sit down and eat a three foot tall can of Pringles without having to get up? In one sitting, however long it takes, sit down and eat a three foot can of Pringles. Um, now? I don't know. Before we did that whole thing? Yeah, probably. I'd rather eat one of those Zion Williamson wingspan Popeye's buckets, though. That's what I want to get. Yeah, that would be way better. All right, let's turn the page here. This is uh, something we've been doing. We we took about a week off because of SEC media days and whatnot, but we're bringing it back right now. Our all-Mississippi team. So if, if you haven't been with us for the last couple of weeks, here's what we've done. We are making... An all-Mississippi college football team. College careers only. They can be from anywhere, but they have to play college football in Mississippi, and we only take into account their college career. So we did quarterback. We select the nominees and leave the the final verdict up to a Twitter poll vote. So our first team all-Mississippi quarterback was Dak Prescott. Steve McNair and Archie Manning were tied for second team and so on and so forth. So now we're turning the page over to the defensive line, and we need your help. Put a, a tweet out as well. You can respond to us on Twitter at Sports Talk Miss or text the show 601-879-4395. In your opinion, 
We're looking for eight of them. And I don't think we should, unless you guys want to, specify defensive ends to defensive tackle. I think just defensive line. If they play defensive line, we will separate them into first and second team. And let's just say we're running a 4-3 defense. We're looking for eight defensive linemen. Played college football in the state of Mississippi. College careers only. Best defensive linemen to play college football in the state of Mississippi. Fire away. Oof. This is a lot of guys. A lot of guys. Just from Mississippi State, the three that come to mind for me are Jeffrey Simmons, Fletcher Cox, and uh, Billy Jackson. Now, Billy Jackson's probably going to be the name that's the least known to some of our listeners. But he holds the MSU uh, all-time sacks record in a season. Do you want to guess what it is? 17. Yep, that's the correct answer. Look at you. But he's a tackle. He was a tackle getting those kind of numbers. Ooh. So, yeah, he's got to be on the list for me. Um, from Ole Miss, I know we've been we've been sort of hitting him up for the pro career, but Robert Kimdiche probably needs to be on there. Greg Hardy would be a name I would go to. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, I just don't, you know, I can, I can never pronounce his name. The Jerry brother that played defense. Parade. Paray is how you pronounce that? That's how I'm saying it. Okay, we're going with that. He I would be on the right. list for me. Um, from USM, the first one that pops in my mind is Jamie Collins, who had a, just a monster career and has been a good pro, too. Um, well, so I'm going to start writing I mean, these um, down. Mar- I literally Marquise Haynes owns Ole Miss's like, modern era sack record. You could put Marquise Haynes on the list. So I'm going to start um, writing these down. Literally have a pen and paper in my hand right now. So let's start. Rewind back to, to yours from Mississippi State. Hey, Dad. Simmons, Cox, Billy Jackson. Montez Sweat should probably be on there, too, to be totally honest. Um, yeah, man. Uh, first round pick that led the SEC in sacks. Yeah. Yeah. We got a Laquan Treadwell submission. Hmm. It's off. We're off to a good start today. Okay. Uh, yeah, I think Montez Sweat has to be up there. So Simmons, Cox, Billy Jackson, Sweat, Ole Miss. Was, is Robert Kimbichi, though, I mean, if we're talking in terms of potential top eight, not talking about what he could have been. I probably, and he did command so much attention. Second team All-American. I mean, first team, first round draft pick. I mean, I know we don't take pro career into account, but where you get drafted is a, a result of your college career. And honest, that's a guy that had there been no red flags for him, sort of same with Simmons, right? No red flags whatsoever, probably a top five pick, maybe the first pick overall, just from a talent perspective. Three years at Ole Miss, he's at, well, this is bad radio. I was about to pull it up. No, that's okay. I mean, he also missed a couple of games due to a concussion because for some reason – uh, his coach liked him to line up at running back. Uh, oh, so he missed a couple of games well, there. No, I guess not. This guy who, for his pro career, would be number one, would be the absolute number one. I don't know if you knew this, but the final year of his career uh, in college, Deacon Jones played at Valley. That counts. That absolutely counts. But he, but he wasn't a great college football player. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, as, a, as if we were going with pros, he would be the overall number one pick, I would think. 
Gonna look at some of our mentions on Twitter as well. Seth said Fletcher Cox, Chris Jones, Jeffrey Simmons, Montez Sweat. Fletcher Cox is the best ever, right? What he does every Sunday in the NFL. But that, that's the pro is, career. I would I would tell you that Jeff Simmons had a better college career than Fletcher Cox. Okay. And I he would, very well could be that kind of pro as well. Who Adelius Thomas? Me. That's a good one. That's uh, from from USM. Uh, Jimmy Webb, Glenn Collins, from old Jeff. school guys, but yeah, for sure. Norman Hand was good at Ole Miss. So was Tim Bowens. Johnny Cooks. See, Cooks played. Was Cooks a lineman in college? He was a linebacker at the next level. I have to look that up. What about Jarrell Poe, Rippy? He was nasty. He was, but was the career consistent enough? I mean, from it's a that group, question. From, from, from that group, Jerry and uh, and Hardy would be there before Poe for me. Justin said, Kimdichie, Chris Jones, and Simmons in the middle. Greg Hardy and Montez Sweat on the outside. Yes, I'm running a 5-2, but dare an offensive line to stop it. See, Chris Jones for me, not the best college career. Much better as a pro so far. And maybe I was just sort of, you know, the fact that he was so highly recruited and, you know, uh, but for me, I always wait. I was always waiting on Chris Jones to just have that game where he was unblockable in college, and he just never really did. Have we mentioned uh, Pernell McPhee? McPhee, Preston Smith is another one from Mississippi State recently, too. Keep sending them in. A lot of your texts coming in right now. We'll get to all of them and try to narrow this list down. But Darren and Jackson, I hate to tell you, Laquan Treadwell was not a defensive lineman. He might not be a wide receiver in the NFL for much longer either. Not going particularly well there in Minnesota. Gentle Ben Williams, too. Throw him on there from Ole Miss. What a great nickname for a defensive lineman. Fantastic, right? I love it. So we'll keep going on with this as well as some NFL uh, training camp storylines and more. Keep sending them in. 601-879-4395. Who are the greatest defensive linemen in Mississippi college football history? More coming up. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank Studio. Back on Sports Talk Mississippi, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, Brian Scott Rippey with you this afternoon. Our buddy Luke chimes in and says, Fred Cook, defensive end at Southern Miss, had 18 sacks in 1971, 19 sacks in 1972 and was an All-American in 1973 was taken 32nd overall by Baltimore that is Fred Cook and that was an era where they didn't throw the ball as much so getting 18 and 19 sacks in a season is almost more impressive than it is now yeah this guy has 37 sacks in two years he's on the team boom I'm putting him on right there Fred Cook he's got I mean I can look at those stats unbelievable and think, think about it, like you said, it's a different era and all that. 18 sacks? He might have seen 50 pass plays his whole, se- his whole season. <laughs> Literally had so a sack, sack on every pass like play. Every three plays. <laughs> Goodness. Something. I've never heard of this guy. Yeah, and uh, that's Fred Cook, 71-73 at Southern Miss. Greg Nettleton says Jack Gregory, Delta State. That's one that we haven't seen just yet. Greg, thank you for listening. Yeah. Uh, from the 601, Jeff Posey from Southern Miss. Preston Smith gets another vote. I don't know Jeff Posey either. 
I need to catch up on my USM guys, I guess. Tyrone Keys from Mississippi State, Ben Williams, another vote, and then Richard Bird from Southern Miss from the 601. Preston Smith is getting a lot of votes here, by the way, on the text line. There's another yeah. one from uh, another Greg, so not Greg and Nettleton, another Greg, uh, says Preston Smith. James in Hattiesburg uh, gives us a couple of nominations as well. Norman Hand from Ole Miss. Big time player. And then uh, another. Played for the Saints for a long time, too. And then another nomination for uh, Southern Miss as well in there. Um, I like I like this one, even though he didn't play. Uh, he played his college ball at the U. Cortez Kennedy played at Northwest Mississippi. That counts, doesn't it? We're counting that. Should we count that if they if they did JUCO ball in Mississippi, but went well? I think we're a little late elsewhere. in the game. If we had come up with that, because there's some guys we could have had, you know, earlier at different positions. It's probably so. too hard to track. Yeah. But he definitely we'll, we'll give him some sort of honorable mention. Is it quick sidebar? Last chance you. Maybe it's just because I live in Mississippi. Not near as interesting when it's not East Mississippi at all. I've tried. I can't wreck. do it. Total train wreck right now. It's just not. It's no fun to watch. I thought last year was interesting because it was the idea of like how quickly that program had been built up from like a literal joke. But this year, I'm only two episodes. Well, maybe I'm three. Uh, yeah, I don't find it as interesting. I wish they'd go back to Mississippi. Honestly, an interesting list to do once we got done with all this would be the sneakiest, like, long NFL careers. Ole Miss and State have guys that weren't necessarily that great in college that ended up having, like, somewhat lengthy NFL careers that were kind of surprising. Bradley Sowell yeah. being yeah. one of them. Um, Tremaine Kelly. McBride played forever in the NFL, and he was pretty good at Ole Miss, but, like, I didn't, like, I don't think anyone probably would have pictured that many years in the NFL. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, Used to have a picture on my old BlackBerry because I had a BlackBerry in college, and Bradley Sowell had carved his name into a desk that I was using at the library, so you could tell it was him. Like he even boxed it in. It was like Bradley Sowell left tackle, and like even like carved his signature in there. You should have seen the things that were carved underneath that. <laughs> I can't repeat them on radio, but man, uh, that was not a popular guy back then. However, he's. And jokes on everybody who wrote that because he's been in the NFL for what seems like a hundred years. And then I used to give my uh, my former podcast co-host Bob Carscadden a lot of great grief because he voted Bradley Sowell Bradley Sal, uh, preseason All SEC his senior year, and I was just like, "Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me with this guy?" And I used to just give him grief. But like you mentioned, yeah, he's been in the NFL forever. Well, the Sunday Night Football crew has changed his last name pronunciation to Soul, huh. okay. and then. He had another incarnation of it because Houston Nut used to just call him Sal. <laughs> One syllable. The, uh, uh, the, the guys at the Ole Miss SB Nation site, Red Cup Rebellion, the funniest content item they've ever done was when they did Houston Nut pronouncing Robert Kimdichie. It was like Bobby Kim Squeegee. Uh, hey, big fella! Stuff like that, just really good stuff. Who was it? He what was the name? Y'all sent me y'all sent me the clip. Whose name did he butcher on the air? Laramie Tunsil. Greg Little? No, Laramie Tunsil. Jeremy Tinsel. <laughs> <laughs> was that picture? We shouldn't talk a, about him. I don't want to get sued. Yeah, there was a screenshot of him floating around at a, like an Arkansas school board meeting recently, just hanging out in the crowd. Again, he's allowed to be a human. He's probably got a. a Somebody there, grandkid or something, or maybe have their a kid there. You would think. I don't know. Maybe that team. Need, maybe they needed a football coach. Still looking yeah. for a job. We had a 
a serious XM host uh, on our show a long time ago. This is when I first started here at Super Talk, and it was me and Richard one day. And uh, as a guest, a guy hosts a, a show on Sirius XM College. And for some reason, Houston Utt got brought up. And this was before the lawsuits. It, it was something along the lines of it was a bad program that Hugh Freeze took over and, and that kind of context. And this guy, I mean, yelled into the phone. And some of you listening may remember this and blamed Houston Nuts' failures on Pete Boone. It was just bizarre. This national host doesn't live here on Sirius XM and, and screamed at us because we suggested that Houston Nuts' last two years were the fault of Houston Nutt and not his athletic director. It was a bizarre day, and some of you that have been with us the whole time may actually remember that day because the next segment, Richard and I just were kind of, what was that? Where did that come from? He's trying to avoid a lawsuit, man. Did you ask him why he was yelling at y'all? It was at the dude, the music had started when he started yelling at us. It was so bizarre. I mean, it was a great interview. It, it was informative, and he was great until the end when I mean, it was just a one-off comment, like, "Yeah, you know," and Hugh Freeze inherited a mess left behind by Houston Nutt, and this guy goes, "No, no, no, it wasn't. It wasn't him. It was Peter Boone. That's who did it," and just started yelling at us. Did he call him Peter. He Peter. called him Peter Boone. It was bizarre. <laughs> I've never heard Pete Boone referred to as Peter in I mean, my life. That was like in the summer of. Of 2015, maybe. Uh, so, you know, good four years ago uh, when, when Ole Miss football was still on a high with Hugh Freeze and, and it was just a one-off comment by Richard and this guy yelled at us. I remember that. For some reason, that just popped uh, in my head there. Uh, we get a text from the 662. There's no defensive line without Ole Miss's gentle Ben Williams. Tim Bowens was a beast from Chris in Oxford. Another vote for gentle Ben. Darren and Jackson is, uh, he said he thought we said defensive line and receivers. Uh, no, j- just defensive line today. Uh, from the 662, was Larry Williams, the defensive end at Mississippi State, the Peach Bowl era, any good? He was a good player, but he's not going to make this list. Michael in Poplarville lets us know that Nick Fairley played Juco at Colin. Did not know that. He was one he of those guys. Yeah, yeah Nick Fairley, yeah, yeah. If he cared, he was unstoppable. He could stop an offense entirely by himself, but he only played like one out of every seven plays. You could, and that one play was him cheap shotting Aaron Murray. <laughs> I forgot that was Nick Fairley. Yeah. That, that screen grab of, of uh, Aaron Murray's eyes, how big <laughs> they are, because he knows that truck is coming. Yeah. One of the funnier things. Now knowing that he's okay, of course. The last thing, the last team fairly played for was the Saints, was it not? Yeah, yeah, and he had a uh, uh, a medical issue that forced him into retirement. From the six six two, we get we're probably too young to remember Gator Bennett says he was a beast. Gator Bennett was that Tony Bennett? I remember him. I thought he was a linebacker though. Uh, another list for or another uh, submission for Cordero Law, uh, Harvey Hole from Philip and Starful Hayden, very, very old school Mississippi State guy, but yeah, good player. Another one for yeah, Toby he was uh, Tony Bennett. Okay, he was a linebacker though. We'll talk about him next week. We get you know why he was named Gator, by the way. Why? He was from Alligator, Mississippi. How about that? I think I've been to Alligator once. Yeah, you probably have. By the way, just just a heads up for next week, buddy. 
linebacker, that's going to be a fun discussion. There's a lot of guys. I know there's one who's a lock, and he's a rebel, and y'all know who he is. And then after that, we're going to have – I don't know how – we're taking three linebackers, so six, five more total. There's going to be some, some competition for those spots. So Taylor Polk. <laughs> <laughs> who else? TJ Mawinney. Oh, man. Uh, here's a hot take for you. There is one that currently plays for Mississippi State. Ooh, Thompson? I'm projecting here, but if he has the year that people think he's going to have, he, then... He, he, you can make a comment. You can make a, a case. So. Well, Who else? Richard gotta, backed him into a corner from, with uh, his stats this? this year. Did he really? He out? Richard kind of backed him into a corner with the stats this year. Not really, but like... Richard was asking him basically yes or no on how many sacks and tackles, and like the guy's not going to say no, so Richard was jacking up the numbers. <laughs> we get a text from the 864, my neck of the woods, upstate South Carolina, says, do I have the wrong number? Because if I do, you'll never read my text. He says, uh, uh, he gives us a couple of submissions. Autry from Mississippi State, Danico Autry. He actually uh, accidentally said Denise. <laughs> <laughs> That's another guy that y'all were, we were just talking about that has had a better pro career than I ever would have projected him out of college. He was a five-star, like the number one JUCO player in the country, and then he was just never dominant at Mississippi State. More of but your he's text. he's had a really good pro career. More of your text, more of this, plus NFL storylines next at Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank Studio. Welcome back into Sports Talk Mississippi. Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, Brian Scott Rippey with you. Get a text from the 601 here that says, Charlie Cage, Ole Miss, had 14 tackles against Notre Dame in the Ole Miss upset over the Irish in 1977. Man, I I know we mentioned it yesterday. And there are some teams, marquee names, whatever you want to call it, coming up on the non-conference slate for both Ole Miss and Mississippi State. But what I would do to have Notre Dame on those schedules have – a road trip at Wisconsin, Michigan, Ohio State, Florida State, even a home and home, something like that. That would just that would make me so happy to see that. I hope it happens one day. It may not, just because playing in the SEC West, you want to get wins, but you also have to play a Power Five team. So call Wake Forest and Georgia Tech and those kind of teams that you think you're on the same level. Then Baylor, Baylor, Louisville. But what I would do to see a road game at Notre Dame, at Wisconsin, something like that, that would just be so cool. And it may never happen. I just hope it does. The closest like marquee thing you've had in a long time was that Labor Day game in 16, right? Ole Miss FSU in Orlando. Like That was about as high profile as it got for a Mississippi team yeah. playing a non-conference yeah. football game. But could you ever get them to hey, – see, I guess the thing about these home-and-homes is could you get a Florida State to agree to a home-and-home with Ole Miss and Mississippi State? No. Oh, I would think so. You would think so? Yeah. The, the, the reason so? why I ask is because Florida State, even though they were horrendous last year and they're probably not going to be very good again this year, there's this perception that they're significantly better than the Mississippi schools, right? That they're better, their program's better, all that stuff. They would get nothing, air quotes, out of coming here to play football. And they can definitely lose the game. Well, the first part's the point, though. Like, they should probably, like, historically, they would beat both teams, but it's a 
Power 5 SEC West team, a win that would probably hold some teeth in terms of your strength of schedule, and no matter where you're playing them, you're probably going to win the game. What's the downside? Well, they already play an SEC team. you got to remember that, too. They play Florida every year. Oh, so. let's uh, use a different example Yeah, it's then. just kind of the, um, the Florida State-like team. Like Ohio a, State. Never. Ohio State would never come to, to We get a Ohio. text from the 662 that reminded us that Texas did a home-and-home with Ole Miss recently. Yeah, they did. Why would Ohio okay. State not? I just don't think that they would. Why? Because they play nine conference games. So why would they, you know, I don't think they're going to reach it's out. It's not even really a, the team. It's a team like Florida State or Ohio State or something on that. I, I don't think that you'll see that. I mean, the Texas thing, you know, State played Texas back in Jackie Cheryl's first couple of years. But, I mean, to me, that's 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 the outlier. You know, that's the exception to the rule. But it's like, why? Why rare. would a team at that caliber not do that? Like, what's the reason? Because they could definitely it, it, come and lose, it, it, and it doesn't elevate their the profile. Game. They would do that. They're, they're not. They're going to try to not play out of conference games that could damage a, a potential undefeated season. But they already do that. Who, who Ohio does State Ohio played State Virginia play Tech out of three years ago. Do I now? For Ohio State lost at home to Virginia Tech three years or whatever the national title year was. Yeah. So they already I mean, do that. They'll play in those 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 neutral site. That was that was a neutral site game, though, right? No, that game was in the Horseshoe, and then they made a return trip to Blacksburg. Oh, they lost at home to them. Yeah, those are oh, only wow. lost. They and lost they won the game. national championship that year. That was. When I just don't. I, they, I may, they may have learned that. I mean, look at Ohio State's their their non conference this year is Florida Atlantic, Cincinnati, and Miami of Ohio. Right, but that doesn't mean they wouldn't do it because they have. I, I don't and think they, they do. would do it again. You know, Michigan is sort of an outlier that they'll play Notre Dame, but that's sort of a historical thing more than anything else. I, I just I don't see those schools looking to play teams like Mississippi. And On Ohio State's that, future schedules, they have they go to Oregon next year, and then okay. Oregon makes the return trip in twenty one. They have Notre Dame in twenty two and twenty three home and home, Washington in twenty four and twenty five home and home, and Texas. Huh. In Maybe 2026. I'm wrong, but the other side of this coin is State and Ole Miss would never look for those games either, because there that is a definite hindrance in the the quest to bowl eligibility. I guess, but Ole Miss played FSU two years ago, three years ago. Well, yeah. a that was in one of those preseason games. It was a neutral site game. It's tough to turn those down. But also, that Ole Miss team was ranked top what 15 to start the year. So they probably thought they, they were top in there 10. They had think. a great chance. Yeah, they had a like great they scheduled it a month I, I thought before. they were going to win the game. They had the game won would be a better way to put it. But I, I don't see Ole Miss or State reaching out to a big-time power right now. I just don't. I just want to go party with the people in Madison, Wisconsin. You so that's what you, you just need to find you a bye week and get up there. Maybe I'll uh, go cover Alabama for the, the year that they go there. <laughs> We will uh, we'll turn the page next at Sports Talk Mississippi. That was a fast first hour, and a, a lot of you uh, still texting in here, giving us names. We will try to narrow this list down uh, to make some Twitter polls out of it to get your fan uh, submission, because you guys decide who is going to make the team in the end. Uh, but thank you for being a part of the show, and you can still do so. 601-879-4395, that's the ceasefire text line. Text us, be a part of the show. We'd love to hear from you today. More coming up. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank Studio.
4 o'clock hour on this Tuesday afternoon. Sports Talk Mississippi. Michael Borky here. Brian Haydad. Brian Scott Rippey as well. Sports Talk is brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank. And all guests appear on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team. It is great to be with you on this Tuesday afternoon. Real quick, before we get back into sports, we did get a text from the 601. In case you missed it, in the opening segment today, I mentioned how I feel like I'm on an island of one because, well, along with my wife, because neither of us really enjoyed Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which is this new Quentin Tarantino movie that everybody is just fawning over. And somebody from the 601 says, Michael, don't feel bad about hating that movie. Some friends of mine walked out. It was so bad. And several couples followed as well. Before I react to that, by the way, my hatred of most people is completely justified. So at this movie... <laughs> well, let's unpack that for a second. <laughs> let's talk about... At this movie... Your feelings, Michael. Two rows in front of us, couple talked the entire time. Non-stop talked the entire movie. Guy right directly behind my wife talked on the cell phone during the movie. Answered the phone and talked on his phone. Lady in front of me had the, her phone screen on as bright as possible, texted through the entire movie. Guy to my left fell asleep and snored during the movie. You know what you need? All right at there? one time, all in my vicinity. People just are so impossibly rude. Like, like, if you really can't not talk for an hour, don't go to a, a movie. Just don't go. It's like, yeah, like either got to be whispering about the movie in intermittent spurts, like when things happen, whatever. If you're going to text, turn your phone down. The talking on the phone's a psycho move. You need um, it, you need it, Rippy, there to stand up and yell, first time in a movie? I don't know. Yeah, just, I mean, at least you didn't have like a farter. That's really the only one you were missing. That's the only one you are missing. I saw where a friend well, of mine was tweeted me, but... at you today, Rippy, about uh, somebody getting an orderly... Uh, exit from an airplane. Yeah, so ever since that rain, I had a couple people DM me that video as well, so I guess there's still hope, but I don't think I'll ever be on a plane where that happens. Probably not. Well, it's just a video of people getting no, off no, a plane how they should? No, Yeah, exactly. No one, literally no one did the whole, I'm going to stand up and crowd the aisle thing. People literally sat down, stood up, got out single file, you know, normal people stuff. Get a text from the 662. Uh, saying that I reminded them why they built a, a house away from people. I mean, they're just the worst, man. It, you're at a movie. And the thing is, the movie was kind of quiet. It, it Like, it, not a whole lot of action scenes until the end. It, it was a movie about a, a movie star in the 60s. Or maybe even earlier. Anyway, I, I don't remember the time period. But So it was a relatively quiet movie. So everything that these people did was magnified times 10. It wasn't like a Michael Bay movie where everything was blowing up and there was rocket launching out of, like, random buildings. and so, None of that happened. It was a quiet movie. And so, like, the guy answered the phone literally and said, hey, what's up? I'm in a movie. Well, don't answer the phone. And if you're going to text somebody, turn the screen brightness down at least so it doesn't blind the people behind you. The only acceptable reason to answer your phone in a movie is if you're a parent who left your kids with a babysitter and the babysitter is calling. Then it's, I mean, even then you should try to get up. But, I mean, I'm going to answer that, that phone call. 
I just that's the only exception, though. I just don't get people who like ha- carrying on a phone conversation amidst a large group of people. Like you see this in airports a lot, or really just public places, like waiting rooms. Like every time I get a phone call in a public place, like I try to go somewhere else where like no one can hear me because I don't want people listening in on my conversation. But people that just like yap away well, in public, carrying on a loud phone conversations, like what? that makes me never uncomfortable. Mind that. To you got do. these people now who put it on speaker and just sit out there with their phone. And, and just talk. I, I'm tempted to just go stand next to him and go, I couldn't hear it over there. And FaceTiming. I can't FaceTime. I don't like FaceTiming in general. Uh, but people that FaceTime in public. It's like I have to now because I have an eight-month-old niece and uh, now my wife's pregnant. So, so my parents want to see her big belly and stuff. And we're going to have to learn how to FaceTime because we're 500 miles away. But people that walk around in public places on FaceTime blows my mind too. I don't want to hear your conversations. I don't want other people hearing mine. Well, the NSA hears yours, so. That's true. Uh, I don't want anybody but the NSA to hear mine. Did you guys take advantage of that data breach, by the way? I did. The Equifax data breach? My wife was affected. I got money coming my way. I don't know what that is. Nothing like getting excited about your data uh, getting breached so you can get a check for $125. My wife and I bucks, both man, pays I, the phone bill or I, something. I, my wife and I both uh, had our data breached so we got money. If you haven't if you don't know what we're talking about, uh, there was some kind of massive data breach and as part of the settlement w- with Equifax, you could go to a government website. It's still active, right? Isn't it? Yeah. Rippy, we'll send you the link at the break, and we'll tweet this out if you, if you want to do this. It's not a scam. It is it is a government settlement. It'll take you to the, what is it, the FTC's website directly, where you yeah. just put in your information, and not anything significant. They don't ask for credit cards or anything. They get your name and your home address, and if your data was breached it, however long ago this was, and they reached a settlement, they will send you a check for $125, or you can take a uh, enhanced cybersecurity program. What kind so, of data? I don't understand. Like your uh, social security number, online data that people can use. It and was manipulate. a credit mon- credit monitoring website that yeah. was breached, so they would have all your 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 pertinent information. So if you were affected by that breach, the the settlement that the lawyers got, everybody gets a piece of. Is 125 bucks. I would tweet my internet history for 125 bucks. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I mean, I was. Pumped. I don't believe that for one second. <laughs> I put my wife and I's information there. I got excited. I was like, "Yes, man, 250 bucks." It. Yeah, my data got breached. And... You could. You could also, if you wanted to, you can claim some hours that you had to spend on, uh, you know, fixing it. If you like, you know, you realize if you really realize your data was breached and you had to go and like, you know, change some stuff around. You can claim like 20 bucks an hour up to 10 hours and not have to provide any documentation. You can just claim it and then say, oh, I did this. Took me nine hours. Get a text from the 662 that says, I cannot talk on the phone in a group of people, period. I have to walk away. John in Oxford says the general public is insufferable. That will be my campaign slogan. Put that on a shirt. If I ever run for office. Uh, Bobby in Batesville. 2020, the public is insufferable. (laughs) And the thing is, most people would probably agree with me. Uh, Bobby in Batesville says, an entire generation whose social interactions have been almost wholly online haven't learned empathy. It's impossible to learn empathy without human interaction. From the 601, when you cash that check, give up 
uh, you give. Oh, oh, that's a good point. I don't care yeah, though because I'm not getting a lawyer. I don't. I can't afford an well, attorney. I, I'm not credit card damages. probably will take care of it for you. You don't. You don't really need Equifax to handle that business. Somebody else can do it for you. So. So here's basically what happened. If your personal data was exposed in the 2017 Equifax data breach, you can file a claim. It's very quick uh, to get back money that you may have lost in the breach. But if you didn't lose any money in the breach, but your information was still compromised as part of the settlement, which was uh, up to $700 million, you can put your information in on the FTC's website and make a claim for $125. My wife and I's data were both breached. We both are $125 richer. We'll pay our electric bill for the next three months thanks to our data getting breached, and you can do it too. It's on the uh, FTC's website. Just Google it. It'll be there. Make sure it's the FTC's website, though. Completely legit. Uh, I mean, Fox, CNN, everybody verified its validity, and you can get $125 sent to your house. Hasn't shown up yet. I don't know how long it's going to take. But it's a real thing, real settlement, real Federal Trade Commission, real everything, and you can pay some bills. You're welcome. So it's pretty relatively, like, in terms of, like, tax returns to, I don't know, like, how easy is the money to get? You don't have to file your tax return. You don't have to. You put in your name and your address and an email address as well. And it will tell you if you've been breached. And if the answer is yes, you hit either give me $125 or give me extra cybersecurity. And because you're normal, you'll hit give me $125 and they will send a check to your house. Who would want extra cybersecurity? Idiots. Okay. <laughs> the general public who is insufferable. I, I could probably do an entire daily podcast on stuff that just pisses me off that the general public does. Rippy rips into him. <laughs> Quinn says he hates when people carry on a conversation and they have an earpiece in because you acknowledge them and then you feel stupid. We get a text from the 662. Uh, a truck driver says he loves to FaceTime to, to speak to his son. Yeah, I'm going to learn I, I how to like it because kids. of my grandparents. And it's I different. FaceTime my kids, but yeah. I don't do it in public. I'm also, if you're a truck driver and you're just driving along and you want to FaceTime, I don't have a problem with that at all. But Chris, if you're doing it in the middle of the supermarket... What are we doing? We got to do 100 teams in 100 days because the famous alums are, are, are fire today. You got to You got to We got to come back to that. Don't 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 leave that behind. We'll uh, we'll get to that at some point today. I do want to talk NFL, so we'll do that at some point. But I wanted to tell you guys about if your data was breached, you can become 125 dollars richer. You're welcome. We'll be right back. We get a great text here from the 601. Talking about the Equifax data breach and the easy way for you to get a free $125 or some cybersecurity. And uh, from the 601, Tim says, yeah, cybersecurity provided by the company that was hacked and had their data breached. That sounds great. Got to hand it to them. At least they're trying to save a little money on this. $700 million later. Yikes. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming live at supertalk.fm. Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, Brian Scott Rippey with you this afternoon. And I, I want to talk some NFL. It's the only thing really going on right now, unless you want to talk about Zion's shoe deal, which I think that would be a hard no from everybody in the room. Yeah. So, so let's talk NFL. 
Uh, some stories coming out of training camp. AJ Green, for example, had his surgery this morning. But the big story, the big that's gotten worse. By the way, I don't know if you saw. Yeah, because like he's going to miss a few games now. Just awful. They knew that the turf was bad. I forget exactly what they called it, but they knew Bumbles. they examined it and said that it was not up to standard. They still practiced on it anyway, and then look what happened. Their best player, their only thing that matters is having ankle surgery or had ankle surgery this morning. Was it last year or two years ago the Hall of Fame game got canceled because the playing surface wasn't up to snuff? Two years ago. So they yeah. used the wrong kind of paint. That, that's what happened. They used the wrong kind of paint. So think about how much paint is on a football field. The paint that they used was not football paint. I don't know what it's really called, but you know what I'm talking about. It was a kind of paint that, that solidified. And so every line, every logo, everything on the field became hard like a like a a hard substance that didn't cover the the blades of turf the blades of grass if you will on the turf it just hardened on top of the turf and so they couldn't play on the field it happens that was bizarre i remember watching the coverage and you had people out there examining the field um like while they were supposed to be playing and they ended up canceling the game. But yeah, it was because the paint solidified instead of coated the actual turf. So uh, hopefully we won't have that on Thursday so we can watch some riveting Hall of Fame game football. But let's talk Cowboys because they are the story of camp so far. And it's getting a little bit more interesting the more this carries on. So as all of you probably know, Ezekiel Elliott is holding out. He flew to Cabo uh, to spend his time while he's holding out. And the Cowboys went ahead. Maybe they're not planning for the future. Maybe they are. But they signed a running back yesterday. Alfred Morris uh, is now a Dallas Cowboy. It was first reported by 105.3, the fan there in Dallas. But uh, the Cowboys have signed a running back, not to replace Ezekiel Elliott, or maybe they did, but they now have a veteran-capable running back right there in Dallas, or I guess in Oxnard, uh, where they're training. And Jerry Jones also said that you don't need to have the league's leading rusher to win the Super Bowl anymore. You don't have to have an elite running back to win in the NFL anymore. So you guys tell me, are the Cowboys posturing for life after Zeke Elliott? Or are they simply uh, playing a card game to try to get him to... And he's still two years away from free agency. So it's not like this is his last year. This isn't a contract year. He's under contract for two more years. Are they just trying to play their cards and get him to either agree to show up or maybe take a lesser extension? I think somewhere it, in the middle. Yeah, it just feels like they're, it's just insurance. Alfred Morris is a good player, good running back, solid veteran backup. No reason not to sign him if he's available. You know, he's played in Dallas before. But at the same time, if you're going to go without him, I mean, you could do a lot worse than Alfred Morris. So, But at the same end familiarity there he played there two years prior um but i think there's part of jerry jones and whatever the front whoever else his son and everyone else in the front office that probably doesn't want to pay them like they know that probably the right move is to pay him but to what scale i don't know because running backs value fluctuates so much nowadays and is generally trending lower but he's also there's part of him probably thinking that he's not worth the headache i mean you can find someone to cobble together or a couple of people to cobble together somewhere near Zeke Elliott's production with way less of a headache, could you not? You would think. 
So it's probably not solely posturing. There's probably a lot, like a, a genuine portion of them that does not want to pay the guy, but do they end up paying him? Yeah, probably. So what should they do? Not what do you think they will do. What should they do? If you were Jerry Jones or Stephen Jones, how would you handle this situation right now? Pay him 75% of what he wants. Yeah, some of that. Or just, and then what happens when he says, no, I'm not showing up? See ya. Yeah. Or can you tie something, you know, hey, you can make this money, but we got to tie some, uh, I don't know how the personal conduct policy in the union works, but can we tie something to, you know, games played? Basically, you know, like you could it, not 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 in not incentives because nobody's ever no, nobody's ever going to go for that an incentive-related contract. That's a lot of people like to throw that out, but no no player's ever going to go for that. But there needs to be something on the back, maybe something on the back end that says, "Look, if you get suspended, we can we can take some of your salary more more than the fines going to take, more than the lost wages. We can cut we can get a percentage of this back." I don't know if you'd go for that or not, but. When the holdout was first announced uh, and you guys were off, Richard and I started talking about it, and, and he made a point, and, and it's a really good one. Look at the top running backs in the NFL right now. The the top paid running backs in the NFL right now. Todd Gurley, $14 million a year. Is he worth that? He's got arthritis in his knee, so... Yeah, probably that not. answer is a, is a hard no now. Unfortunately for him, I'm not knocking him. He just he got it. He, he has an ailment, but he's not worth that. Le'Veon Bell, $13 million with the Jets after sitting out an entire year, and he's a bit of a head case himself. Is he worth that? Will he be worth that for the Jets? Probably not. Probably on the front end, maybe probably not on the back end. I mean, he was it's a really, $53 really, really million good. Dollar contract for him. It's more Maybe not the year salary. I should have brought up the contract size at $53 million a year. Yeah, but I mean... You, there's a lot of contracts that are done to where you know you're going to overpay for a guy on the back end if you get two or three good years out of it. Is he worth it? Maybe. David Johnson, Arizona, forty million dollars a year, thirteen no. or forty million dollar contract, thirteen million a year. How many years into the deal is he? He's a undra- or unrestricted free agent in 2022. Probably not at this point, but at the time when they signed the contract, he probably didn't really have that much of a choice. He was one of the best backs in the NFL a couple years ago. It may be the best. Right now, for what it's worth, Zeke's on a $24 million uh, contract, $6 million a year, and he is still a couple of years away from free agency. I just see the production that you can get in this league from other guys that does not require big-time money, and they still have flexibility with the team and all of that stuff. So if you look at guys like Mark Ingram in Baltimore, they're just paying him $5 million a year. And that was more than what the Saints were willing to give him. And the production that you're going to get from him is great. You're not tied up long-term. It's just three years. It's $5 million. And you get production from Mark Ingram that you probably are going to get from maybe even Le'Veon Bell, depending on how they use Mark Ingram in Baltimore, for a third of the cost. That's the route that everybody seems to be taking, and that's the dilemma that Dallas finds themselves in is, do we do this? And now they're signing other running backs, and now Jerry Jones is talking analytics, and suddenly it feels like they're going to be okay with letting this dude walk. Kind of what the Steelers did. 
Yeah. They weren't giving into that crap, and look what happened. But Le'Veon Bell wasn't at the end of his... No, they franchised him. He was at the end of his deal, right? When that happened? It was Antonio Brown who was like had a year and a half left. It was basically like a whole new money. So, yeah. I mean, there's precedent for the teams to walk away from this. Would it shock you if they never gave Zeke an extension? Honestly, Zeke's biggest help here is Dak Prescott, too, because Dak probably needs him more so maybe than a couple other quarterbacks got. And that, you know, throwing whatever, but also his age. Like, he's still a young quarterback in the NFL. So that probably helps his case, too. If it were an older veteran quarterback at this point, that probably hurt his case. We get a text from the 601 that says, Could you take that money that you would have paid Zeke and get an average running back and another above average wide receiver to help Dak Prescott? That's what they should do. Yeah. If I was Jerry Jones, if I was making the decisions in Dallas, that's what I would do. I would I forget you, Ezekiel Elliott. You, you give us all kinds of problems. You are the most, maybe the most talented running back in the NFL. You're an unbelievable player, but you you cause problems. You give us problems, and the numbers tell us that you're not going to last very long. So take a hike. I'll go get an average running back. I'll go pay another receiver, and my offense is going to get better. See ya. And if they did let him walk, who would they be? hypothetically bidding against who else is giving him that money nobody or a really bad franchise that's desperate to sell tickets and jerseys and do a one-off and try to win some games and maybe make the playoff but no contender is taking him at all looking at you titans (laughs) a few more texts coming in we will uh, get to those next and we will get to 100 teams in 100 days at some point sports talk mississippi in the renaissance bank studio I don't know if you guys knew this, but there is a, a group of scientists that believe that maybe we live in a computer simulation. It's a real thing. I'm starting, to, I'm starting to believe that we might actually do. Here's a headline for you. You ready for this? Sure. O.J. Simpson warns Jerry Jones that he better pay Ezekiel Elliott. Or else, OJ. I might take that seriously, I'll be honest with you. Or else, yikes. Sports Talk Mississippi, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, Brian Scott Rippey with you. This time of year brings just bizarro world-type headlines. Yesterday we learned that Roger Goodell and three referees are going to have to testify in a Louisiana court because of the blown call in the NFC Championship game. And today, OJ Simpson is telling Jerry Jones he better pay running backs. What, What are we doing? Where are we? This doesn't feel like real life anymore. Well, <laughs> if it's not, whoever's controlling me, I'd like to know what they're doing. But <laughs> it seems like pretty rock solid, pretty rock solid advice considering the source. Yeah. I'd probably go with it. We get a text from the 662 that says, Bork, you're forgetting how awful Mark Ingram was until Alvin Kamara came to New Orleans. I wouldn't pay him 5000 Really good point. I'm still a thousand yard rusher before Kamara got there. Yeah, I'm fascinated to see how he's used in Baltimore. Yeah. But I mean, with the Saints letting him go, I remember that was a big deal at the time. He's the second best running back on that team. Yeah, and you can't pay Behind two. Lamar Jackson. You can't even really pay one. You definitely can't pay two. And out when Alvin Kamara's day comes, he'll get paid big money. And it's not because he's a great running back, it's because he's a running back that can beat people in the passing game. That's what makes him valuable. Yeah. And if a lot, do, lot less tread on the tires. If he couldn't catch passes, then 
And that's a really good point. Almost no tread on the tires considering yeah. he was splitting carries early on in, uh, in his career. So or Is it more tread on the tires? Yeah, I guess you would have more, more tread on the tires. Yeah, I think I messed that one you up. You have less you as get you continue. The point. Yeah, whatever. Uh, people listening uh, understood they that. Understood. Uh, Jeffrey Tupelo says the running back position is just not what it used to be. No question. And Tim in Columbia says most all of these NFL players that sign these giant contracts, when they sign on the dotted line, their production immediately goes down as they know they've got the contract and they quit trying as hard as before. With a guy like Elliott, I, w- I would be cautioned with. See, Dallas is in a conundrum. And we'll talk a lot of Cowboys on this show during the season because we've learned that there are a lot of Cowboys fans in Mississippi and also because of Dak Prescott, who is also in contract negotiations. But the difference is, and Colin Cowherd made this point today, and I think he nailed it. If you're Jerry Jones and you're Dallas, with what Ezekiel Elliott is doing, you can get away with overpaying for Dak Prescott because he's the guy that is also negotiating his contract that showed up for camp. He is the guy that, in the offseason, never makes a headline. He is a guy that your locker room likes. He's a guy that your fans like. And even if he may not be productive or or he will have a contract that exceeds his production, Jerry Jones is obviously infatuated with his quarterback, loves his quarterback. So, because of the antics from his running back, he can get away with overpaying for Dak Prescott because everybody likes him, he's not holding out, he doesn't make headlines in a bad way, and people will support that decision. If you let Zeke walk, fans may be mad for a day, but then wherever else he goes, maybe he gets arrested again. Maybe he holds out again. Maybe makes another headline, and you are justified with every stakeholder involved in your franchise by paying your quarterback and not your running back. thought that was a, a really unique angle to look at that situation, and I don't disagree with him either. That's a that's a very fair point. I can't I can't disagree with that. That you know it just makes sense. What what he's saying makes sense. That well he's here. Why aren't you here? Yeah, I mean then they will they will they will definitely play that card. Yes, they will. A couple more things going on in the NFL right now. Uh, Mike Thomas apparently is close to a new new deal, according to Pro Football Talk today. That's the NBC Mike Florio affiliate. Uh, Per a league source to Mike Florio, uh, the NFL grapevine is saying that they are very close to a deal. I think last week the reports were they were about a million dollars in guaranteed money a year away from a deal, and they're apparently getting even closer. Uh, There's been no toxicity whatsoever, and according to this report, um, Mike Thomas is probably going to get his $20 million a year salary that he is so very coveted. Worth every penny. Probably also a good day to be Julio Jones. Probably so, yes. Julio Jones was throwing some shade at, at Mike Thomas, by the way. Well, wasn't he just saying was he was he? trying to up his money? Like, whatever he gets, he wants more? Well, a reporter asked him about being on the same level as Mike Thomas and Amari Cooper, and he said... We're not on the same level. I think he's right. All three are really I think good he's players, right but too, I, but yeah. he was throwing some shade out there. For a guy that never talks, I'll let that pass. And he really never talks. At all. Like to a fault. 
It's an interesting uh, point here from the 601. He says he has a little inside baseball that says that the guys that get big contracts have a drop in production because they spend more time trying not to get hurt because in the NFL, it's not fully guaranteed money. When you're looking at these running back contracts, Todd Gurley is a bit of an outlier. $45 million in guaranteed money, but $21.9 million was fully guaranteed when he signed it. So a $57 million contract and potentially could have not received half of it. It's a little different in baseball, for example. They get that money. They can have three Tommy John surgeries in consecutive years and still get that money. Yep. NBA is the same way, right? Yeah, and then you talk about the overpaying on the back end of deals. You see that the most in baseball. Like the Phillies, when they did that deal with Harper, knew absolutely that they'd be overpaying the last four to five years. But... If he's productive and they win a world cha- world title, World Series, doesn't matter. Boy, Boy, that situation has produced some takes, hasn't it? I have seen – anytime Bryce Harper goes 0 for 4, it's like the world is ending. Look at what you paid for. Well, great player, marketing and all that stuff, but it really statistically he's had one year in kind of rarefied air. The rest have been good. So you heard it here first. Brian Scott Rippey says that Bryce Harper is a bust. That's right. I'll be toting that with me tomorrow on Undisputed. At what point, maybe not a bust, we won't use that word because, like you said, he's a great player. But at what point do we, or are we, are we already there, him being an underachiever? When his hair starts falling out? I don't know. Do you think you... So we're not at that point? Probably. I mean, he was on the cover of SI at 16 years old. He's still not that old. And, yeah, having a tough year, but probably not ready to go there yet. But you said he's only had one year. No, 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 no. He's having a tough year. Yeah, but you said he's only had one year, one good year. But if he has three or four more of those over the next five to six, then it's all moot. I'm just saying to that point, that is true. Trying to get you to be hot takey today. You won't take the bait. I I, I don't think he's overrated because I think it's hard to place value in what he brings as far as like ticket sales and things like that because he's way more marketable than Mike Trout. I mean, there was a time where people were debating who was better, Bryce Harper or Mike Trout. And that time wasn't that long ago. And now it seems silly because it is silly. But like, so is Mike Trout the far and away, no matter what? The best player in baseball right now. Oh yeah. So who's yeah. let's yeah. say two through five? Oh gosh. Uh, it, you don't have to be too specific. Just who are the five best players, most recognizable players in baseball right now? Best or well, most difference between best and most recognizable. Mike Trout might not be one of the top five most recognizable. Let's go best, and then and then we'll go from there. Who are the five best players in baseball right now? We count pitchers. Position player. Okay. Rippy's gonna have to carry this. Bellinger, Yelich. Harper's in the top five, right? Well, I mean, we're we going off this year. Like, what does right now mean? Like this year? Just, no. What they are at this point in their career. Bellinger, Yelich, Judge. Harper, Machado, and then Aaron. That's the next five after Trout. 
the point in this exercise is how difficult of a time you're having. And then when you get, I mean, outside of the first two or three, are any of these guys any kind of household name? No. Depends on, yeah, I mean, household names are on the household, yeah. Typically how that goes. Get a text here. We'll address next from the 770 area code. We keep saying Dak's contract doesn't match his production, but only Brady and Big Ben have won more games than him since he's been in the league. And that's been with flaky Zeke and aged offensive line and barely any receivers until Amari Cooper. It's an interesting point. We'll digest that next. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank Studio. Welcome back to Sports Talk Mississippi. Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, Brian Scott Rippey with you. Get a text from the 770 that uh, I read before the break, and uh, we'll, we'll talk about it now. It said, you keep saying Dak's contract doesn't match his production. His future contract, well, not, not his current one. He's still on a rookie deal. Um, but only Brady and Big Ben have won more games than him since he's been in the league, and that's been with a flaky Zeke, an aged offensive line, and barely any receivers that's until just... they got Amari Cooper. And yes, the Cowboys have won games. But here's what we're talking about with production. 2016, 16 starts. He was 23rd in the NFL in passing. In 2017, 16 starts. He was 16th in the NFL in passing. 2018, 16 starts. He was 14th in the NFL in passing. Been very statistically average, and he's going to get a contract potentially that puts him in the top four or five, maybe even higher than that, Highest paid quarterbacks in the NFL. The production does not match that kind of value. And not all that necessarily true. One of the best offensive lines in football and defenses in football, give or take maybe one year with each of those. And Best the, defense last year, best offensive line in 2016. And the winning games doesn't really hold up. Mark Sanchez went back-to-back AFC title games. Tebow won a playoff game. He did. Now he's hitting 120 in the minors. Now, now, irrational people will take that as just comparing those two to Dak Prescott. But the point being is just the whole he's won more games thing doesn't really necessarily hold weight. Right. Robert Note Grove says Dak is not the reason Dallas has won all those games. But he's not – it's not like they're winning in spite of him either, and that's the thing. And that's, that's what makes this such a, an interesting situation because uh, – we just gave you the numbers. They, they are not relying – on passing to win football games. They're just not. They've they've done it by running the football and playing defense. But he's not losing games either. He's not throwing interceptions. He doesn't make bad decisions. He's a good locker room guy, all of that stuff. So it's an interesting balance between you've got a leader, Jerry Jones, the owner loves him, and he's the one that matters the most. Fans love him. But there are quarterbacks that are producing more. So what do you do? That's the the thing that Dallas is dealing with right now, and it doesn't help that really who has has been their offense the last few years is acting like a crazy person again. And when we talked, we talked to John Machota of the Dallas Morning News a few weeks ago, and he made it very clear: no matter what your thoughts are on Dak Prescott, he's getting that contract. He's getting the big money. So it's, I mean, at this point, we might as well just accept the fact that it is what it is. Well, I think the debate is whether he gets 20 versus 30 because there's a huge difference in there and where it falls it, it in It seems like it's trending towards 30, though. It, there are some reports that say it might even be over 30. Mm. I mean, 
I see both sides because obviously, you know, Dak Prescott, great ambassador for Mississippi, Mississippi State, you know, has done all the right things and has, has played well. But that's a lot of money tied up in one guy when you, when you got other issues. So, Last thing on the NFL front, Fitzmagic will be starting, or at least right now will be starting. Brian Flores, the head coach of the Dolphins, told reporters today that Ryan Fitzpatrick leads the quarterback competition over Josh Rosen so far. He said Fitzpatrick has been more productive, uh, cited also his leadership abilities, and even Josh Rosen himself has said that he just reads defenses so much faster than me right now. And so Ryan Fitzpatrick, not dead yet, the beautiful beard, the Harvard graduate, the journeyman, the play three games like you're a pro bowler and then play three more like you're in high school, Ryan Fitzpatrick, starting quarterback in the NFL once again. Sure, why not? How long does it last, though? Rosen's probably like Rosen starts more games in 2019 for the Miami Dolphins than Ryan Fitzpatrick. Yes or no? You would think so, yeah. Oh, I don't know. I'm saying yes or no. Probably. No, I'm. 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 I'm I, you would think that's the case. What, what you're saying. Miami could very well start 0 and 4. By the way, they host Baltimore to start the season. They host New England in Week Two. They go to Dallas, and then host LA. Yeah, but there's the most Fitzmagic thing ever. Does he not blow the brakes off of Baltimore week one because they haven't really figured it out with Lamar Jackson yet? And then they upset New England in week two? Yeah. It wins something like 23-21. to 21, Some ridiculous play at the end of the game that doesn't make sense, but they win, and then they go to Dallas and play well, and then they host L.A., and he throws four picks, and then they lose to Washington, and then the wheels fall off the bus. If we could put money on that... I think we'd win. Probably so, yeah. If you bet Fitzmagic in September for the last half decade, how rich are you? <laughs> We're not talking on the radio anymore, that's for sure. True. we got a private island somewhere in the Bahamas. Sipping frozen fruity drinks and not talking to each other ever again. I have my own island. We'll turn the page to college football next. There are some... Because if you want to do this kind of thing, you can in the state of Mississippi now. You can bet on quarterback battles in the SEC. We'll give you some lines on the quarterback battles in the SEC according to odds makers. We've also got some updated lines on the opening weekend of the season, which we're all excited for football. But that slate is sneaky kind of bad. We'll give you the details coming up next at Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank Studio. Five o'clock hour on this Tuesday afternoon in Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming live at supertalk.fm. And I promise you college football, and I'll get to college football here in just a second, but uh, we brought up, just in passing last hour, the idea of who are the top five players in Major League Baseball right now. If you had to just throw names out there, who are the best players that you have to watch any given night in Major League Baseball? Brippy and Haydad throw out a few, and... Uh, we get a tweet and a text. One, asking about Acuna, Ronald Acuna Jr. and Freddie Freeman. Uh, where do they fall on that list? And a text that also says, I'm a Braves fan, but I would put Freddie Freeman in the top five if he played for the Marlins. So where do those two guys fall into this mix? Wait. I would put Freddie Freeman in the top five if he played. I, I, I have a feeling he was trying to say even if he played for the Marlins. Yeah. Oh. 
Acuna is probably the top young player in the game. I would go that far. Was he in his second year? Cody Bellinger's pretty young. And probably going to win the, the MVP. So, yeah, he hate hates the, the, the Dodgers. Automatically not in the discussion. I mean, Francisco Lindor's up there, Altuve. Low man wins sometimes, huh? That's true. Gives us all hope. <laughs> Gives us all hope. Sports Talk is brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank. All guests on the show appear via the Farm Bureau guest line. And if you want to be a part of the show this afternoon, you can do just that. Text us, 601-879-4395 on the C Spire text line. And uh, right now, let's talk a little college football. So these came out this morning. I, I guess I shouldn't have been surprised, and, and you shouldn't be surprised that this exists. I guess I didn't really think about it being a thing until the odds were published this morning. If you want to bet on who wins the quarterback battle at Arkansas or Auburn or Mississippi State, you can do that. There are odds posted on who's going to win quarterback battles in the SEC. So let's start with Arkansas. We'll end with Mississippi State so we can talk about that one a little bit more. But Arkansas right now, Ben Hicks, that is the SMU transfer, is a minus 200 favorite to win that starting job. Nick Starkle, the A&M transfer, is plus 150 to win the job at Arkansas. I talked to uh, oh, Andrew Hutchinson from uh, the Arkansas Rivals uh, site the other day for an opponent preview, and he basically set it up like that, that, you know, Hicks might have the the early advantage, but it, it's probably going to end up being Starkle for them. Just be just more talented, just a better player. The familiarity gives Hicks an edge, though. Any thoughts, Rip? I'm going to go Hicks. Does that change the way you think about Arkansas at all? Whoever lines up at quarterback. No. Even with the familiarity of the system, anything like that, does that change the way you think about them at all? No, because I mean, they still don't have talent. That's the problem. Uh, yeah, they'll be better than last year because their quarterback play last year was atrocious. They'll certainly get better each week. I have to take a sidebar here. Our friend Bull Pool is back at it. If you listened to the show yesterday, you, you are familiar with this guy. He might be a troll. He texted us again. This is great. I, I, Yeah, oh yeah, he's trolling us, but this is so good. He said, is it just me, or does Richard Cross look like somebody that would rent 500 miles of billboards along I-44 in order to sell slightly used RVs at rock-bottom prices? That being said, what's the upside on Scotty, Scotty Phillips this season? So is this this guy's move? Insult, legit question? Yeah. Because, I mean, that's a question that we can we can debate over, but after he said Richard looks like somebody that would rent 500 miles of billboards along I-44 in order to sell slightly used RVs at rock-bottom prices, that is oddly very specific. It is. Is it inaccurate, though, is the real question. I, I had Scotty Phillips as a second team uh, All-SEC prior to the... Uh, or at SEC Media Days. Interested to see how he's used. And we'll ask uh, Rich Rodriguez that very question on Thursday. Um, how do you anticipate using 
your running backs because he's got multiple back sets and he can be really creative in the running game. Uh, it felt like, Rippy, and correct me if I'm wrong, so much last year for Ole Miss was a, uh, just a one-back kind of set where they, they never really got creative in the running game. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah, for the most part. I mean, you didn't see very many, if hardly at all, two-back sets. and you know. It seemed just very simplistic, which it, in some cases it works. Didn't necessarily work for them against their better opponents, but it feels like they're, with the new system, will be able to be a lot more creative in the running game. So I'm going to ask, we'll ask Rich Rodriguez about that on Thursday and uh, see what he thinks about that. Anyway, back on our conversation Betting lines on quarterback battles because that's what you can do now. Auburn. Joey Gatewood, actually the favorite uh, at Auburn. At minus 150, Bo Nix, the incoming freshman, the number one dual threat quarterback in the country, at plus 110 to win the job. I've heard people and read things that say that Bo Nix is going to be the starting quarterback, but the Vegas favorite is Joey Gatewood. Well, unfortunately, I haven't had my interview yet for Auburn. I'm talking to Brandon Marcello tomorrow. You can check that out on Thursdays. Wait, is that the guy that blocked me on Twitter? Do I now? Is that the guy that blocked me on Twitter? Yeah, yeah. Best Auburn guy to talk to, though. And uh, I'll get his thoughts. I I think it's going to be Knicks. Five-star, number one, dual-threat quarterback in the country last year. Auburn legacy. Why not? Just, Just put him in there. Ask him about attendance for the first game. I plan to do that, yes. No, no, I don't plan to do that. What got me, I don't even remember what got me blocked. It, it was something like... Richard put out a tweet about Mississippi. Richard put out that yes, tweet about baseball attendance. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And, and he and you, you hit him with the... Uh, you found like five of his articles. About, it was the most uh, internet thing ever. He got the runs about Richard's tweet about college baseball attendance. And then you pointed out, dug up old tweets of where he was pointing out attendance. And then he further got the runs. He blocked me for it. That's okay. It happens. Yeah, I'll, I'll lean on others to get uh, my Auburn angle, I guess. Just hope he's been changed since. Yeah, maybe so. Oh. Does whoever wins this job change your perception of Auburn? Nope. My perception of Auburn is because of these two guys. You got a redshirt freshman who threw like five passes last year and a true freshman who's never played. That's why I'm not big on Auburn. They have a great defense. You know who they are? They're Mississippi State last year without an experienced quarterback. Now you got the same system coming in, so that that's a plus. You're not trying to change that, but I mean they have an elite defense. You know, they're pretty good at the they've got some pretty good playmakers, but I don't know who the quarterback is. But what's and, the trade-off between experience and the ability to throw the football? Well, I mean, we'll find out. I think there's they're both bad to not have. See, for some reason, and this is all, this is all projection, but if Bo Nix wins that job, if he shows in camp that he is capable of leading the team and, and being the starting quarterback and, and they take him to Atlanta and he starts against Oregon – I, I might feel a little bit better about Auburn because his type of player fits Gus Malzahn's system so much better than what they've had the last few years. He's the kind of guy that he's needed to be there every year. They haven't had somebody like him since Nick Marshall. Not really. So if he shows that he is able to to run the system and, and if he shows that 
he's ahead of schedule with maturity and he's able to to take that job and be the quarterback at Auburn and start against Oregon and as long as they didn't just do that by necessity if he actually showed that he's capable of doing that I might even pick Auburn to win that game against Oregon and, and make some noise even though I have Oregon going to the college football playoff bit of a conundrum for me but you get my point he's the kind of guy that fits their system and if he's ready Auburn might be dangerous. Final one here, Mississippi State, Tommy Stevens. No real surprise there. The favorite, minus 150, Keaton Thompson. If you want to bet on it, it's plus 110 to win that job. Put your money on Stevens. Vegas would tell you that's closer than people around here seem to think. Well, that seems, that's been the case for everybody we've talked to outside of here. We talked to Cole Kublik and we talked to... Oh, I forgot. We had a couple other people in there, and they're all saying, you know, oh, think, you know don't count Keaton Thompson out. I'm telling you. You can count Keaton Thompson out. Vegas is not in the business of losing money, though. That's true. They have to give you something. They give you a little cookie every now and then. True. We will uh, continue looking at the, the gambling side of things, but more of the opening weekend. Some new lines are out, and guys, this slate's not very good. I'm going to be honest with you. We'll talk about it next. Look at some lines, some updated lines, a lot of wide spreads in week one in college football. It's Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank Studio. That would help. help. Yeah. Huh? Yeah, that would just help dehydrate <laughs> you, really. So, But these guys are so much bigger and faster, and you can imagine out there today um, in this heat with equipment on. Uh, it's brutal. Oh, yes, sir. It, it's tough. So, so I, I'm especially glad you're here. We were just talking yeah. about uh, some betting lines. Believe it or not, Uh-oh. you can bet on quarterback battles. It's something that you can bet on now. We have sports betting in Mississippi. Yes, we do. So I was going to ask you about that. Way back when, uh, I guess it was... Uh, the ban was lifted. The nationwide ban right. on sports betting. Mississippi was set up to where it was basically already legal here. Um, when when that happened, what was your tell initial you the, reaction the back to that? Story on that, and I haven't told anybody. I don't think so. Don't hmm. don't tell Paul. I told you this, but uh, <laughs> actually, my friend Chris Christie and I uh, were talking one day, and Christie said, "You know, I, we can't have spe- uh, sports betting here in New Jersey, and I think that's a states' rights issue." And I said, "Well, I'm you know I'm not a big sports betting guy." And then I came back, and some of my law enforcement friends said, you know, it's probably a billion-dollar business. A billion dollars. That's how much is betted illegally. And I thought, well, what's the taxes on that? And so I called Christie back and said, what's this look like? And he said, uh, we're going uh, before the Supreme Court. We could get a friend uh, of the court's brief from Mississippi. It would help. We did that, and the Supreme Court, uh, lo and behold, said it's a Tenth Amendment right for the states to determine that. We already had gaming in the states, so it immediately became part of the gaming laws that allowed uh, that once the Supreme Court said it was not prohibited for the states. And we are about, so it's July 30th, about at the mm-hmm. year anniversary of, of the legalization in the state. It, it is How, doing how's it going? Well. <laughs> it is doing well. Um, uh, our casinos are growing, I want to say. I looked at it last time. The number was about 3.6% growth. And, and you got you got to look at what happened in Tunica, uh, the downturn that's up there, and then all of the occurrence on the Mississippi Gulf Coast with the fresh water coming in and the beaches being closed. On top of all of that, casino revenue is up about 3.6%, 3.7%, and most of that is sports betting. And we haven't even gone through a football season. I think last year we got maybe some of the end of the pros, so you can imagine 
imagine what's going to happen. And look, uh, you may hate sports betting. You may think, you know, it's a terrible thing to do, but people are going to do it whether we try to regulate it, have it in a controlled environment, uh, collect taxes on it, or whether it's going to be uh, someone uh, that's in an alleyway or a pool hall. And people still have to get comfortable with it as well. It was kind of taboo for a while, and now that it's legal, you know, we can get a little bit more comfortable doing so. And the casinos have to. They're investing a lot into it. And as I understand it, it's a millennial game. I'm not a millennial, but I'm a father to some. And so the younger guys and ladies come in. They make a bet. They enjoy an evening out with their friends, maybe have dinner. And it's something that's a new, attracting a new audience of sports lovers and people who want to come in. Particularly, now this is what I get excited about when you go to the Gulf Coast, is I see all of the LSU stickers coming in on the vehicles from Louisiana. Uh-huh. So we're getting a little uh, of that purple and gold money over there, and that doesn't hurt my feelings at all. Yes, sir. Yes, uh-huh. sir. So when we were in Hoover for SEC Media Days, the commissioner of the SEC, and, and he's not alone in this at all, uh, is somebody that uh, mentioned multiple times he wants some kind of federal oversight, regulation, something like that to ensure the integrity of the game remains Absolutely. intact. Has there been any concerns, or, or what does that even look like, and how involved would the states be in some kind of working with the SEC to make sure that happens? We would love to do that, and we'd be very concerned. The, the investigators that we now have um, could be called in action with the, with the Gaming Commission. Uh, it would be a violation of the state tax code, so the uh, Department of Revenue perhaps could get involved it could be a federal violation so the uh, the uh, u.s department of treasury and u.s attorney's office would be involved um i i, I want to be careful um how we, we go about doing that because um it, it is not the responsibility of uh, of the casinos to investigate it but if we've got players or teams or coaches or anyone that thinks they could get involved and shave points or do anything like that and get away with it i'm going to tell you it'll be thoroughly thoroughly investigated uh, and prosecuted, and people will go to jail. This is nothing to play with. This is nothing that we would shrug our shoulders and walk away from. We would come after you. So let's talk real football now. Yeah. You're, a, you're a Golden Eagle guy yourself. I am. I am. High expectations in Hattiesburg this yeah. year. Well, we love Coach Hop. Uh, he's doing a great job. I've been uh, texting back and forth with my friend Brett Favre. Brett's, uh, uh, may, you may have noticed, he, uh, uh, he invited Deion Sanders' son to come down the other day. So Neon Deion Jr. is on a campus of Southern Miss. I'm not saying he's recruiting. I'm just saying he invited him down. Uh, but once you get a guy like Brett Favre that uh, it takes an interest and he always has and what do a remarkable job and and so coach hop's doing great i think the big game this year early is going to be mississippi state what does that mean to you getting two in-state teams to play each other like that absent from the egg bowl i am so excited about it because if you go to that game uh there in startville and i went to the first one uh and i'll be a, hopefully an honorary captain at this one and <laughs> um uh, they they let me actually flip the coin during the first one but that stadium is packed with mississippians they're Mississippi State. They're Southern Miss. They're not from Indiana. They're not from Southern Georgia, Northeast, South California, or whatever. They are Mississippians. So all of the revenues being generated there are going to two great Mississippi teams. It is an in-state rivalry. It always has been. Look, when I went to Southern Miss in 70, let's say 75 through 77, playing Mississippi State was one of the biggest games of the year. 
It was huge. We played a lot of them in the Fed, downtown Jackson. I remember Brett Favre coming out. Maybe I shouldn't say this, but Mississippi State had about three minutes left. They were uh, were ringing those cowbells, and here came Brett, and and about four plays later put it in the end zone for a win uh, for Southern Miss. And I remember then fans around me saying, we're never playing y'all again. (laughs) That's it. Never coming back. So it took a little while for me to encourage athletic directors at State and uh, Southern. Now they love it. It's a big game for them. So uh, the fans love it. Sounds like you're calling for more of these kind of matchups, though. We ought to be playing Ole Miss. There's no reason in the world Southern shouldn't be at Oxford playing Ole Miss. Ole Miss this year will play, and I've got their schedule here. They'll play uh, New Mexico State. Now, I'm sure New Mexico State. State's a great team, uh, but they'll be coming here to Oxford, and uh, I will assure you they won't bring the crowd that Southern Miss would bring uh, to Ole Miss. So they're losing money uh, in Oxford so we can play New Mexico. And so I'm saying uh, get some Eagles up there, and let's see how that works out. And you're, I'm told you're a big high school football guy yeah. as well. And this state yeah. does not get the credit nationally for how many elite high school players and programs as well that we produce here. Well, what happens to us, you know, Alabama comes over and they steal a couple. Louisiana comes and steals a couple. Tennessee comes and steals a couple. So people actually believe those students may be from Alabama and Tennessee. So it's hard to uh, keep bringing back attention. We were uh, just listening the other day to the number of pros from Mississippi. And if you listen to that lineup, a lot of them played for Florida, played for Alabama, played for LSU. And now they're going on to the pros. And then they'll mention, oh, yeah, from Meridian, Mississippi. So, yeah, high school uh, football here is remarkable. Uh, as I travel the country and talk to governors, I was just with a group of governors last week. Uh, the big talk now is in rivalry. Uh, my friend Rick Perry uh, loved to come to Ole Miss and watch Texas A&M. And when Johnny Football was playing, I hated to watch. <laughs> you remember both of those games? Oh, yeah. Uh, Fun football if you were not an Ole Miss fan. We lost them in the last five minutes. And mm-hmm. I say we because my daughter's Ole Miss Law School grad. I went to graduate school at Ole Miss. So we we love them all. People come up to me and say, "Who do you uh, pull for?" And I go, "All of them, Mississippi, all the Mississippi teams." Oh yeah, yeah. I, I love to pull them for all of them. So, will you uh, pull some strings and tell Rick Perry to get Texas and Texas A and M to play each other again? I, you know, I'm not getting into that. I, 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 I was sitting there with the uh, governor of Texas and uh, and the governor of Oklahoma, and that discussion kind of got uh, heated up. There was uh, apparently you can do a, a downward and get a penalty for it now. Oh, really? They throw a 15 yeah. yard Come penalty, on. governor, if you do that Come when you're playing on, Texas. I'm man. not kidding. Well, the governor of Oklahoma would have just had a flag on him the other day. <laughs> but it was good, healthy rivalry, and uh, just like we are here in Mississippi. I'm really glad you stopped by. Oh, thank you, guys. It's football, guys. Let's yes, get sir. it on. Yes, Listen sir. to you guys in the afternoon. Love it. Get in there as quick as I can. Turn it on. So I can find out what's really going on in the world of sports. Always glad to have you apart. Thank, you, thank you so much for stopping by. At Sports Talk Mississippi, that was your governor, Phil Bryant. We'll be right back in the Renaissance Bank studio. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.